and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, a podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the club that won the league by September, got relegated before Christmas, lost out on a European place before spring, and they've already lost the cup final before even playing their semi-final. I'm Laurie Dunsire and I'm laughing because the neighbour's dog has just jumped up at my window um, and, is, <laughs> and is barking at me. Um, I, I don't know if that's getting picked up at all over in Connecticut with Mark Donaldson. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> um, this could be a rough show. <laughs> oh dear, that's probably set the tone for the level of humour that we can expect. Um, Molly, uh, the neighbour's dog, has ran off, so we shall continue, and that will remain in our final edit. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, the star of the show today. Um, okay, so this week we will talk a little bit, maybe not too much about the specifics of Hart's latest game, which was defeat to Hamilton, but maybe a little bit more about where have things gone wrong for the Jambos in general? Um, we're going to talk about goal music, which I mentioned last week, and a bit about music in general in a Hearts-related context. So with no game to look... <laughs> I was going to say to look forward to, um, probably relief from Hearts fans that there's no game uh, to expect this weekend from a Hearts perspective with the international break coming up. So we're not got a game to preview, which means we'll maybe just split the show in half with the first half being miserable, talking about... Uh, why hearts are so crap, and the second half with a bit more of a light-hearted musical theme. So, first up, Mark, uh, hearts travelled to Hamilton to play Hamilton Ackies, and um, it probably went just as expected. I think I saw a few headlines saying, you know, Hamilton stun hearts and blah, blah, blah. Um, I would say, if anything, the surprise result would have been if Hearts had turned up for this away game and blown Hamilton away. I think there was very little surprise in the end that Hearts turned up and were poor and deservedly lost. Um, Now, I'm not bothered going into detail about the changes to the team, about the action during the game, the different talking points, because it's been the same old story for a lot of games this season. So, what I thought we'd dive straight into is looking at the messages we've had about this game, about Hearts' performances in general, especially in, I guess, the middle third of the season, can we call it? Um, and just about what went wrong, what has been going wrong, how do we fix it, where Craig Levine stands, etc. So what I'll do, Mark, I'm going to run through some of the messages and we can discuss some of the points that come up from them. Because again, thank you to people for getting in touch with us. Twitter, the usual um, the usual favourite, and some emails as well. So we do appreciate these comments, these bits of feedback, and uh, we'll get going with them. So Grant Watson says, um, why has it turned so bad from the start of the season to now? Tactics and style of play uh, can't have changed that much. And on the park, we almost uh, have the same team out. So what's gone wrong? More consistent team selection needed, but clearly Levine doesn't know what his best 11 is. Um, Ian Horsburgh says, a lot of tinkering with starting 11 in formation. No level of consistency. Levine's time uh, isn't up yet. Review where we are at the end of the season. Despite poor form, we were still four points off fourth and five points off third, as well as being in another semi-final. I still think we can be doing better, though. Um, two more quickly to run through and we'll have a quick chat about them. Mike Smith says, inconsistency in team selection in recent weeks. I think Levine pays too much attention to the opposition rather than concentrating on his own team. He doesn't appear to know what his strongest team is. And uh, G says, why can't we feel a consistent team week in, week out? Agreed, we can't help injuries, but changing players just for the sake of it isn't working and it's evident by these pish results against teams <laughs> we should be beating, especially if we want to compete at the top end of the table. Uh, now, I'll hand over to you in a moment, Mark, because a few really good points we made here is to do with consistency of consistency of team selection, um, focusing too much on the opposition. Um, now, those are two things, and I think you've got you've made some good points actually online in the, the wake of the Hamilton game. Those are some two really big points, and I think they're really key at the moment as to part of the problem. 
So this is a tweet that I, I put out. Now, I didn't see the game against Hamilton. It wasn't on TV, and I haven't even been interested in seeing it on sports scene. I don't watch it if we lose. Um, I knew there were changes to the side, because you obviously always send me the team when you get it. And there were more changes to, to this one. So I kind of thought to myself, being a, a so-called journalist, we <laughs> seem to be having a lot of changes to our team. And we've had tweets from many fans for many weeks about the whole consistency of selection. So I thought I'd do a little bit of digging. And I thought, how many changes have we made in 2019? We've made 35 changes in 12 games. This is part of the tweet that I put out. And then I thought to myself, how many unchanged lineups have we had this season? And I went back to 2019, to the first game that we played, and I couldn't find an unchanged lineup. So I thought, well, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly. I'm going to see every single game they've played this season. And look, I've got a one-year-old daughter who would rather I was playing with her in her baby prison than doing all this rubbish. But I thought, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. And I found out that we have not had an unchanged lineup in consecutive league games. We've only had two unchanged lineups this season, Cali Thistle and Hamilton, League Cup and League, July and August. And then Motherwell St. Johnston, League Cup and League um, in September. None in consecutive league games. So I basically put this down in a tweet and said, consistency of selection sorely lacking. 12,769 people have seen that tweet. That's ridiculous. That's, that's crazy in that it's been retweeted by a lot of people. It's been liked by a lot of people as well. Um, and of those 12,769 people who viewed that and how many are Hearts fans, be interesting to see how many disagree with the consistency of selection sorely lacking. Because I have to say, Laurie, in all the tweets that we've got and the people we've spoken to, I've not heard any discerning voices that say, no, no, it's fine. Keep doing what we're doing because it's working. Because it isn't. And I mean, that's a, and that's a huge problem. And I've always said that um, you get so much more out of players in a team when they know each other well and they know the system well. And I think Aberdeen are a really good example of this because what Aberdeen have done over the past few years, and I understand that Rangers weren't in the league and Rangers are still a relatively poor version of what Rangers once were, but Aberdeen have done really well in terms of consistency, I think, because as, mu as much as they've got more of a budget than the most of the, the teams around them, to actually continually perform at the level they have done, and maybe not so much the last couple of seasons, but certainly for the first three or four that McInnes was finishing second, I thought, you look at their team and I'm like, and Andy Considine, is he that much better than players' hearts have had? I don't think so, in an individual quality basis. But he had that back four so well drilled and organised. They knew each other well. He stuck to a, a 4 2 3 one system. Some Aberdeen fans will say maybe too rigidly stuck to it at times. But his team didn't change too much for the first few seasons. And they got quite close to, again, a, a relatively poor Celtic side under Ronnie Dyla. But... They still got pretty close to them for large parts of the season. I thought a lot of that was down to the fact that McInnes built a very strong core to his team. He would change little things here or there, obviously, and sometimes there would be injuries and suspensions or players would leave. But I thought part of their success, their relative success, was to do with just how well he had his team organised and how comfortable they all became with each other as players and with the system they were playing. But we just have, we've not had that for so many years. Correct. Correct. How about this? Aberdeen's home form versus Aberdeen's away form over the last few months. Now, you came up with a stat last week when Hearts were top of the table. They were, goodness knows how many points clear of various teams, including Aberdeen. The Aberdeen are five points clear of Hearts. This is Aberdeen's form at home since the 26th of December, since Boxing Day. Loss. <laughs> poor. Draw. Loss. Draw with St Mirren, lost to Hamilton, draw with Livingston. Woeful. So how the hell are Hearts still five points behind Aberdeen? Let's go on our travels with the Dons. 5th of December, win at Rangers, then win at St Mirren, win at Hamilton, win at Livingston, win at Hibs, win at St Johnston, draw at Celtic. Consistency of selection equals consistency of results. Away from home. I don't understand and I can't explain the home form. But that's why they're still ahead of us. Their home form has been rotten. And our, they've our, been dropping yeah. points. Well, they, yeah, they've been dropping points against teams we've been dropping points against. Mm -hmm. yeah. But they've been going to Hamilton and winning 3-0. We lose 1-0. They went to Livingston and 1-2-1. One, one. 
we lost 5-0. They went to St. Mirren and won 2-1. We got beaten there earlier this season. Blah, blah, blah. It continues. So consistency of selection, I think, is, is important. Now, only Craig Levine, I, I'm over here. I, I don't go to press conferences anymore. Um, I, I'm friends with Craig Levine. Not good friends. Uh, he's very hard to get close to. He's got a small um, group of, of his close friends, like John Calhoun and, and one or two others. He likes his horse racing. Um, he likes various other things. He's not someone a bit like me over here. I don't have a loads of friends over here. I've got one or two. And I think that's that's what he's got as well. So he's, he's not that easy to get close to. Um, he's not someone who I think maybe he would regret in the past some of the things that, that maybe he, he's done that have lost him one or two friends, but he doesn't care. Um, there's people that he's got in his life, which he's happy to have in his life. And, and for, for Craig Levine, he's, he's stubborn. There's, there's no doubt about that. And if I was still in the UK and I was at a press conference, I'd be in this awkward situation that most journalists are. We all have our pals in sport because we get close to them. But there comes a time, and this is this is what I've been wrestling with this week, because everyone's saying, look, it's getting to the stage where you've got to consider Craig out. I can't be blinkered anymore. I can't say, well, he's a friend of mine. I can't. That's not the way journalism works. That's not yeah. the way podcasts work or, or, or whatever. I want what's best for my football club. And, and we'll discuss this going forward. Right now, I'm not sure that what's best for our football club is Craig Levine as manager. Craig Levine as part of the football club, 100%, because we've got someone who his best asset and his best strength is to take a youth department, either turn it upside down or if it's working, supplement it and be really successful with that. I think the time is coming and that we're, we're putting square pegs in round holes with consistency of selection. And what I would say, Laurie, and I was hoping to kind of do this in stages, but I'm, I'm on a soapbox now. <laughs> so I, w- I wouldn't do anything right now. I would do absolutely nothing right now. People who say he's got to go, he's got to go before the semi-final. This is a podcast since we started that likes to look for solutions to problems as well as identifying problems. We can all identify problems. It's a lot harder to come up with a solution. I think there's too much upsetting of various things, not people, but things, if we do it before a semi-final. I don't under, it wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. There's too much upheaval that would be required. If we get to the final, we're expected to get to the final. Then we take it as it comes going forward. If we lose before the semi-final, uh, sorry, if we lose the semi-final, then there's a decision to be made. But anybody who says get rid of them before the semi-final, if you've got a good solution, which works, let us hear it. But right now, I don't think I think that's unnecessary upheaval. Let's see how this plays out. If we win the semi-final, then we can maybe put plans in place. However, I just there's too many things going against them right now. Square pegs, round holes, consistency of selection not evident, tactics which are baffling at times, players which he's brought in which he feels loyalty to. It's a bit like me. It's a bit like journalists feeling loyalty to people um, who we have to then criticise. There comes a time where you've got to say, you know what, if it's not working, we need change. Some more messages we've received. Um, Anne uh, Waddle says, there are no words. Levine now saying players ignored his instructions to start at a fast pace. Sounds like he's passing the buck and or has lost the dressing room. Um, Raymond says, if we don't qualify for Europe, he's on a shoogly peg. Uh, Unable to fit 10 or 11 midfielders in a system that works. His shithousery is hilarious, but only papers over the fact there's too many poor results. Three, five nils. Imagine goal difference without Nasey, which is obviously a reference to Naismith. Um, we are Scottish football, says Levine has control of his own future at heart. That any other manager who's had a shocking run of results like him would have been sacked. There is no creativity in the squad and his dinosaur tactics of bullying teams and no plan B and his abysmal signings. 18 players and only and only four or five get pass marks. Um, what, what's mentioned there about Levina's control of his own future, I, I don't think he especially does entirely, but I get the point that some people make that it's a difficult situation because Craig Levine, I suppose, is... Um, 
almost stepped down from his role of director of football to help Hearts out because I think Anne Budge had said that at the time they couldn't find anyone who was worth taking on and he was the best option available. Um, now, I know you've said to have Craig Levine at the club is important and I agree that I think Craig Levine has a lot to offer and he loves Hearts, you know, regardless of how successful he is as manager. I think. So do I, Laurie. So do you. So does everyone that listens but, to this. Doesn't yeah. mean we'd make good managers. No, and I was what I was going to say is in my view, and I don't necessarily know if he should go right now. I think it's difficult, as he said, because is there a solution? But if he goes even at the end of the season, I think part of my issue is with this whole apprenticeship promoting from within, because I like that philosophy in lots of lines of work and in lots. I, I think it's great to do that, to develop people and then to put them in positions. I think it's worked in lots of workplaces I've you know been part of. However, to be manager of a football club, I don't know if that always works. It sometimes does, but I think it's very, it's a bit of a tunnel vision approach to say we're always going to do that because being a football manager isn't just about knowing how to coach players, isn't just knowing about tactics. It's to do with a whole bunch of things. A lot of it's to do with man management and the type of personality you are and just almost having that gravitas to be able to lead a bunch of professional athletes. So I think, to me, I don't think we should restrict ourselves by saying we have to do that, like Austin McPhee will be the next manager, and then after that, Liam Fox will step in when Austin McPhee finds a job elsewhere. I don't know if it's just me or if it's just a few Hearts fans and you disagree, but I think sometimes you, you can't just look to your coaching staff to promote. It will work sometimes, but I think generally being a football manager has got so much more to it. Pros and cons to this. The system we have in place was ripped up when Cathro came in. Yeah. It wasn't a promoted from within. No. Um, alternatively, Robbie Nielsen was promoted and that worked. Mm -hmm. So you've got your pro and you've got your con. This whole setup that we have, to just rip it up, to just dismantle it, there's a lot of work gone into this whether it's Liam Fox, whether it's John Daly, whether it's Austin McPhee, whoever it is, you can't just get rid and start again. It's costly for a start. Now, the other thing is, we don't know, unless you go and watch Hearts train every day, we don't know how much of that training is taken by Craig Levine. We don't know how much is taken by John and by Liam and by Austin. I would imagine a fair chunk. I know Austin does set pieces. I'm sure he'd be doing a lot more as well. I read an article in the Herald online. Neil Cameron um, wrote a piece about Dick Campbell, who's on for his 10th or 11th promotion with our broth. He hardly takes training at all. He shows up for like 15 minutes, and it's, it's Pink, his brother. It's Rab Douglas who takes the goalkeeper, and it's, it's John Young. That's his coaching staff, and, and they do most of the work. And he says, I hardly speak to players on a match day as well. I'll put my head round and give them the whole Yahoo speech. But look at the success they've had. So they, they've found a, a balance. They've found something that works. Now, if Craig Levine was to step upstairs, two things would, would happen. If they just promoted from within, I think it would be uninspiring as far as trying to sell season tickets is concerned. So that's something that Ann Budge would have to think about. And the other thing is as well, who's to say that... that Craig Levine's just overseeing right now, and most of the work on the training ground is done by the three who would then be supposedly um, promoted um, to to become either coach, assistant coach, or, or whatever. So it's it's a difficult one to to kind of talk about. Again, we're looking for solutions to to an issue here right now. If we keep what we have, is the problem still going to exist? If we get rid, can we afford to do that and start again? And the most important thing is. We struggled the last time to find a replacement for Ian Cathro, and we kind of stumbled upon it because Craig Levine says, well, why don't, why don't I give it a go when he was asked? There was the same guys. There was the Presleys. There was the, the John McGlynn. Loads, well, whoever it was. I can't remember exactly who it was at, at that time. But none were deemed enough. Obviously, Paul Hartley was, was uh, mentioned at the time as well. None were deemed good enough um, at that time. So... That's why I'm saying we, we, we won't get rid of Craig Levine. We shouldn't get rid of Craig Levine um, in the short term as, as far as before the semi-final is concerned because we took a hell of a long time to make a decision the last time. And who's to say 
If you don't have a plan in place, then there's no point in executing something without having a fallback plan in place. And that's where we are right now. But I think what you've mentioned is just different styles of management because, um, you know, and Alex Ferguson, and certainly in his latter years, wasn't a big training ground type of manager as far as my No, not at all. He was a big man manager and he was very good tactically, but he wasn't the type to sit... Whereas a Pep, a Pep Guardiola, he, you know, the actual training is a big part of what he does as well, like to create that entire philosophy, that entire style. So, And both are, both are very, obviously, successful managers. And I think, you know, a Craig Levine right now, and I think he said a few times his coaching staff do a lot of the, the work. Um, and yes. I, I think that's just the way it is. You get managers who are very much man managers and about the tactics and dealing with things on the day. And you've got managers who do, they're, they're, they're more the tracksuit managers, if you want to call them that, where they get into the nitty-gritty on the training field. They want to be involved in the different drills that are carried through, the set-piece training, everything, you know, all the little bits of it. So I think that's just different styles, isn't it? Whereas I think that's the problem with promote from within, because you're talking coaches. And I think Ian Cathro, I don't think anyone has ever questioned this, is very, very well thought of as a coach. And he obviously developed the box soccer side of things which has helped you know Ryan Golds and John Suters become the players that they are and the players that they could well be in the future um but there's a big difference between training players and managing them and you know the whole tactics the dealing with the media the actual managing of personalities because if you've ever managed in any any line of work it can be difficult not not just on people's abilities, but because some people are temperamental, some people are emotional, some people you need to put an arm around their shoulder and talk to them in a softened voice, some people you need to shout at them and be the arsehole, and that's what works. And sometimes that doesn't transfer from being a coach to a manager. You know, you could know everything about coaching, everything about, you know, the drills that are how to and how to make them be aware of set pieces and how to make them know how to pick up their man, defend, or take a player on, and where to position themselves in the park doesn't mean that you know how to talk to them to get the best out of them when a game's not going their way. So I think that's that's my problem with it is you could have someone who's an absolutely fantastic coach in your coaching staff and knows everything about the team and everything about preparing them for a game and then you stick them in the, the hot seat and everything's going wrong and they're like, uh, you know, they just don't have a clue how to speak to people or how to get the best out of their players or how to speak to the press, which I think is where Ian Cathro immediately lost a lot of credibility. And when when that happens, you know, it's it's a long way back. Um, Craig Levine I've got knows a I've, I've, Yeah, he does. He does. I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. This is Craig Levine's second spell in charge as Hearts manager. What's been the more successful spell, the first or the second, up to first, now? First. Wrong. Why? Wrong. His win percentage for his first spell was 43.5. As far as stats are concerned, <laughs> sorry. As far as stats are concerned, 43.53 was his win percentage first time around. Second time around, it's 45.57. So it's 2% better off okay. as far as, as wins. Now, that, that surprises me. And when he left for Leicester in 2004, um, it was okay. I mean, that was a difficult time when Romanov was, was coming in and there was going to be a fair bit of upheaval. So he got out at the right time, but he got out with a worse record than he has right now. Yeah, I, I, and I, I thought, I didn't know you were meaning stats. I thought you meant more. I mean, my perception of how well he did is that first round he did a lot better. for a different. I mean, I, I guess what would be interesting, and I don't know the stats, but if you looked at his home and away records, I think... His away record this time around is much, much better than his first time around. I would reckon his home record is overall maybe a little bit poorer, although we did have that terrific spell last season. But my 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 thoughts of Craig Levine's first spell, I mean, you had Rangers and Celtic were far, far superior than what they are. Correct, now. correct. Um, and I think it was a lot more competitive from a few teams. I think it was a stronger league generally, in my opinion, at that point, quality-wise. Oh, no doubt, because people were paying players more money, whether it was legally or illegally doing so. But you're right, it was a much stronger league to compete in, hence the fact that that win percentage is probably a lot less because of games against Rangers and Celtic that we've maybe done better in in yeah. the second time around. And he's, he had to cut the Hearts budget every season, if he I did. remember he rightly, did. when he was there. So I thought in terms of managing to get as much as he could out of this 
in the circumstances, I thought he did very well first time. And don't get me wrong, we were awful to watch away from home most of the time under him first time around. He, he basically went with the approach that you would play solidly and play for a point, and if you managed to nick a win, great. But you would generally get maybe a point or lose. And at home, I, I liked us at home. We were direct and we were physical, and it wasn't silky football at times, but I thought we were effective. And we generally won when it wasn't Rangers or Celtic. It, I think there was a two-year period, I remember, where I think only Motherwell had won at Tynecastle outside of Rangers and Celtic. So that would be my opinion on it. I mean, I'll go through a quick, a quick through, a quick few other messages we've had. Um, Simi says another painful result. Time for a change was when we got emptied by Livingston five nil. It's long overdue for me. Two semi-finals is great, but I can't take another one of Levine's masterclasses in anti-football. One shot on target against Hamilton Aki's laughable. Um, now, one thing I want to do with you mark actually is do something there because one thing simmy says there is he can't take watching hearts and a few of the messages we've had we can't go through them all but a few of the messages are that people just can't stand watching us they'll turn up at home because they bought their season ticket but they're not going to spend money going away from home because it's brutal to watch and even when we get a win sometimes it's terrible on the eyes and i and i understand that i mean i have to watch us every week and i see a lot of poor performances so what i want to do very quickly or as quick as we can now, from five months back in the first game that Naismith got injured, which was Celtic in the semi-final of the Betfred Cup, I want to run through each game. Now, this is maybe making it a bit too simple, but I want to say, did we underperform? Did we get pass marks? Or did we play well or above what we can expect? So, okay. three categories. Now, this doesn't matter on the results. So, you could say that we were we underperformed in a game we won, and you could say that we played well in a game we lost. Because I can okay. think, I can think of a couple where that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. And that my, I'm just interested to see how many games. That's a five month period, basically. How many games okay. we've actually played well, or we've actually underperformed. So, so it's underperformed, played well, and what's the third one? Well, underperformed, Average. pass marks. So pass marks, okay. On par, basically, or we actually played well or above. Got it. Okay, so Hearts nil, Celtic three, Betfred Cup semi final underperformed but goalkeeping errors didn't help us so that's okay. underperformed <laughs> hearts nil hibs nil that was for hibs I think, yeah and they had a man set off i think we underperformed there i don't think we we, we went for the jugular when i think we should have done so that's two underperformed okay. celtic five hearts nil underperformed hearts nil kilmarnock one we had a lot of the ball in that game we did we, we, we did. Do you know what? I'd probably give them pass marks for that. And I know that I'm glad you clarified that it's not just about the result. If that had been a draw, mm-hmm. you could say they underperformed, but they probably get pass marks because I've seen them worse and, and win. So I'll, I'll just give them pass marks for that because they weren't that bad mm-hmm. in that game. Okay. Um, Submitting to Hearts. Oh, 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 underperformed. Hearts 1, Rangers 2. Um, That's a good one. It's a tough um, one, that. I, I'm going to give them pass marks. Mm-hmm. I thought, I mean, up until the seven-minute period between getting the, getting ahead and then Goldson, the second half was disappointing. But over the piece, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm giving them pass marks. I would agree, and I was going to say I'd probably say overperformed first half, underperformed second, yeah. even pass marks. And to be fair, the Rangers opener never should have stood in that game. I remember as well. So. No, exactly. Um, okay, St. Johnson two, Hearts two. This is the game where Hearts went two one ahead, and there was the. The mysterious penalty. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go overperform. Is that one of them overperformed? Uh, played well, well or overperformed, so better. No, than played play, played well because we should okay. have won that game. It was never a it was never a penalty, and if we keep going the way we're going, we're not going to get any of these. So <laughs> I'll give them a I'll give them a played well in that one. Okay. Um, Hearts won Motherwell nil. That was a played well. Dodgy. Yeah. One nil. Played okay. Well. Uh, Livingston five Hearts nil. Played. Really well, really, really well in that one. Yeah, oh, underperformed. Underperformed. Aberdeen two Hearts nil. Oh, didn't get going. Underperformed. Nope. Hearts two Hamilton nil. Yeah, it was it was two going on a few if I remember that game rightly. So that's played well. Um, Hibs nil Hearts one. Pass marks. Oh, oh, just pass. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 could easily have conceded near the end. Um, as far mm-hmm. as the performance was concerned, yeah, the, the the performance was 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 good, but yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be blinded by the the result in that one. Pa- pass marks slash 
played well. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's not a played well. Okay. Um, because they were horrific mm-hmm. in in that right. game up yeah. until the last fifteen minutes. So it's a pass mark slash played well for that one. Hearts won Livingston nil Scottish Cup. Pass marks, nothing more. Nope. Um, Hearts won Dundee two. No, underperformed. Um, Hearts two St Johnston nil. Well, best so far out of the <laughs> ones you've mentioned. I feel like I feel like the classic football classifies just now. Hearts one, Dundee <laughs> two. Hearts two, St Johnston. <laughs> um, okay, played well. Uh, Kilmarnock one, Hearts two. Yeah, played well. The first 15, I was worried because it was Mulraney and Berra getting ripped apart by um, Chris Burke. Um, but no, I thought we we managed that game very well. I thought we defended very well. So that's a definite play. Well, that that's probably our best two games back to back this season. Yeah, um, yeah. With with momentum, and then we went into a nil nil against Livingston. That was that was frustrating. I'd give them pass marks, and I didn't think we okay. were too bad. We just we just couldn't find away to the, 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 the back of the net. Um, it was very similar to the, the cup tie. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no more than pass marks. Certainly not played well. No more than pass marks. Okay. But I don't, I don't think we underperformed. Okay, so pass marks for Hearts nil, Livingston nil in the league. Uh, Hearts for Auchinleck, Talbot yeah, nil. Yeah, look, it, it would be... It would be childish not to give them pass marks for that. Yeah, you've got, I mean, you can't really give them more, I think, but they never had to get out of first gear. I mean... I think if they'd if they'd play, overperformed or played well, it would have been, I guess, even more of a thumping. But yeah, yep. pa- pass marks agree. Hearts won, St Mirren won. I missed out the Motherwell game. Oh yes, yes. I'm I'm giving them pass marks for that. I thought they were fine on that, and and a stupid blunder at the end. Um, it would have been a draw. So, yeah, pass marks. Um, for slash, yeah, slash played well. Okay. Again, that's on the fence between the two of them. But yeah, I was happy with with the way that they played in that game to an extent. Obviously, I would have preferred them to get the win, but yep. Okay. Motherwell, pass marks. Hearts 1, St. Mirren 1. Underperformed. Hearts 1, Celtic 2. I don't think you can give under pass marks, at least for that one. Cause oh, actually... no, 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 no. No, we, we we did all right in that game. And again, that's that's a that's a game of two halves. Yeah. Second half and the second half be, we had 10 men. So, so Correct. The second half would be overperformed slash played well. And if, do you know what? I'm going to go I'm going to go played well in that mm-hmm. game. I would agree. For the second yep. Half. yep, mainly yep. for the second half. Partick won, Hearts won. Well, we, we played well. We just didn't finish well in that one. Again, I'm not going to be blinkered by the result. I'm going to give them a played well. Oh, in, okay. It, 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 but again, I'm, I'm maybe blinded by the, the first half. Um, you, you, you're, you're saying playing well. You're not saying finishing well. Finishing well would be <laughs> underperforming. Um, but we, we first half we we played well in that game. Okay, I think you're being generous. Uh, Dundee nil, Hearts one. Yeah, this is funny. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go <laughs> underperformed in that so, game. So so would I. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. But I'm not blinded by that result. We were rotten. Okay. Um, Hearts two, Partick Thistle one. Pass marks. Pass. I would agree with that as well. And I don't think we need to go, but I'll ask you anyway. Hart, uh, Hamilton won, Hearts nil. Played well. Yeah, really, really well. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Underperformed. Are you tallying this up? Because it'll be interesting to see how many we've got of each. Okay, so um, we've quickly tallied Mark's numbers up there. So 25 games over the last five months. Um, of those 25, in Mark's opinion, we played well seven times. So that's playing, I guess, better than just average, better than just pass marks. So that's well or, I guess, exceptional. Um, of those seven, only four were wins, though. So four games we've played well and won of the last 25 in five oh months. Which is quite damning, really, isn't it? That we've had four, yep. four games where we've actually performed and got a result. Because you obviously won't get those two things marrying up every week. But you would certainly hope for more than four out of 25. It's less than, less than a fifth of our matches in that time period have, have had a good performance and a good result. I was thinking of the points we've thrown away as well. Dundee three, mainly at home. Dundee three points. Livingston, two points. St Mirren, two points. There's seven. 
Um, could have got a point against Celtic. That would be eight. Nine at Motherwell if the keeper hadn't done what he did. Uh, ten, eleven, two more at St. Johnston with a dodgy penalty. There's 13. Um, that takes us from fifth place, uh, where we're on 47 points right now, up to 60 points. Again, you, you can't really really do this, but that would take us level with Rangers. But Rangers could argue, I mean, there's a, there's a damning statistic for them in that Celtic have won 10 points with the last either stoppage time or the last minute of, of the game plus stoppage time, and Rangers have dropped nine points, so there's a 19-point swing. So it's your old auntie and uncle, boss, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but we, we have dropped stupid points. The, the one thing I wanted to, to kind of say, a lot of people have kind of said, look, time's up or whatever with regards to Craig Levine. But we also have had a lot of messages from those that have, a lot of people that have said that and saying, look, they've kind of prefaced it by saying, we, I, whoever, would love nothing more than seeing Craig Levine win a cup with hearts, however, dot, dot, dot. And I think we have to take that into account <clears throat> as well, that I don't think there's any hearts fan that would begrudge Craig Levine winning a trophy. Um, that, in fact, there's not. If there is, they're not a Hearts fan. We would desperately love to see Craig Levine win a trophy, even just right now lead the team out at Hamden. But that's the short term. The bigger picture is more problematic. One final... Um message to read out this is an email from james walker there's a few that i've not managed to get to so apologies and thank you for everyone for getting in touch with him i'll finish on this subject with james's email so james says uh, laurie and mark rumor has it that naismith's contract offer involves a player manager role for next season apparently levine is going to return upstairs citing health reasons if this is true it might be a more lucrative offer to naismith at this stage in his playing career it would be great to keep him at heart is he ready for management at Scottish Premiership level, particularly Whoa. at a club like Hearts where expectations placed on management are so high? Personally, I would be happy for Levine to remain in charge beyond this season. This is on the basis that we either win the Scottish Cup and or secure fourth in the league. Working on what we have seen in recent weeks, I'm not sure if either is realistic, but we live in hope. I would be interested to hear your thoughts, James. Wow, that's left field. It's not a rumour uh, I've heard, to be fair, but... I've no, put, neither, neither, and I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. Why take that chance? <laughs> Why take that gamble? If Stephen... I mean, Stephen Naismith is what? He's 32 now? Yeah. He recently celebrated his 32nd birthday. He's not ready to be a manager yet. I mean, I know there's a lot of younger managers, but you, you've got to remember, for, for, for excellent players like Stephen Naismith, there's no guarantee that you're going to make an excellent coach. I remember when I was on the Radio Fourth Beat, obviously covering Hearts, Heads and Fernland, Livy and the local teams. Frank Sozzi was one of the nicest guys I've ever met, an absolute gentleman, but couldn't get a, a win to, to save himself as a manager. It was Stranraer in the Scottish Cup in a replay that, that they won, uh, Hurtado and Paco Luna and all those those days. Um so there's no guarantee, and he he was he'd achieved it all. He'd, he'd been a, a European Cup winner, um, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier. Some people know how to work a dressing room. It's not that the players didn't like him; players loved him, but he, he's he just had no idea of tactics. Stephen Naismith, I hope, will will be an excellent manager going forward. But why do we need to take that risk right now? Um, if it's a case of the only way that Stephen Naismith stays is if he becomes manager, you know what? I wouldn't take that. Okay, so before we move on and draw a line under this um, for for the week anyway, um, Craig Levine at the moment, is it go now, go at the end of the season, longer term for you? For me, it's have a plan in place to um, assent to his director of football role um, at the end of the season and have a plan in place to have a new man in charge um, for the new season. But okay. the likelihood there would be, if, if that was to happen, the new man would not come from outside Tynecastle. It would be one of the three who are currently there. And how would that be 
Or how would that go down with the Hearts fans when you're trying to sell season tickets? So next few months will be very interesting. Okay, well, my other question was going to be whether if he does go, should he go back upstairs? And you've you've answered that in your opinion he should. Craig Craig Levine has to be part of the the Hearts um, youth development set up because he he knows it inside out. Okay. In your opinion, then, I'm not saying that this is what would happen, but in your opinion, should the man who takes over be promoted from within and still fall under Craig Levine in the football plan, or would you prefer we look for a manager in his own right separate who then manages, whether that's uh, Alex Ferguson, man-manager type, who lets Austin McPhee get on with the training, or whether it's uh, Pep Guardiola type who wants to radicalise everything and get really stuck into the nitty-gritty of the drills and every day-to-day things that go on with the players? I would prefer the latter, but the latter would not work with the current setup that we have. That's why we did not have a manager appointed under Craig Levine the last time around, and that is why Craig Levine took over, because the setup that we have right now, for me, does not offer complete autonomy to Mm -hmm. an outsider coming in. That is a problem. So that limits your choice. So if you had the choice, you would have Craig Levine, let me get it straight, director of football or some kind of role that he has an influence on how we you know obviously the youth academy structured and how our approaches and that but a manager who is then separate from that in terms of he has decisions on how we're coaching how we're playing who we sign and i know there's always that yeah the manager still made decisions and i think they did on signings i would struggle to believe that there's not at least some influence in some players we signed from the director of football um, even if it was just a discussion and a actually... No, exactly. If I was to have, in, in an ideal world, I would make Craig Levine the youth development czar in charge of everything, in charge of everything to do with the academy. Craig Levine is responsible because I think that's his best role. I've got no problem that he's tried out and I'm very grateful to him. For, for putting his name forward to be considered and for doing the job. It might be to the best of his abilities. I'd be surprised if he didn't give 100% because he eats, breathes and sleeps heart of Midlothian, for which we are all very grateful for. But there comes a time where we've said it before. You keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It ain't going to happen. So I'd have him in com- with complete autonomy from every age group of which he pretty much is right now. But that would come with a caveat, and that caveat would be um, he is not the overlord. He's not the overseer of first team. I think we have a completely separate department. Um, It'd be difficult to get rid of Austin McPhee right now, and I, I think he's got a part to play, but he wouldn't be my manager. I'd bring someone in from the outside as my new head coach, and I'd have him completely separate from uh, Craig Levine. I'd have him working with John Murray, um, the the head scout. But for me, Craig Craig Levine going forward would be in charge of everything that's good about what comes forward. To find the next Harry Cochran, there you go. And then the manager would opt not to play him. (laughs) What would you do out of interest? Same. I, I mean, I have to say... Whether he stays on or not, I guess it would be good if he could in that role. To me, if he does leave, if it doesn't work out, if there's not improvement before the end of the season, we get beat in the semi-final, we finish fifth or sixth, and he leaves. If it was a choice between, okay, he's going to stay as director of football, but he's going to continue to oversee, and we're going to continue to promote from within, we're not going to drop that. We're going to promote young coaches into the manager's job and keep doing that kind of on a recurring basis. Or... He doesn't want to stay if that's not the option. He'll leave and you'll have to start again. I'd start again and I would look at, we're going to have to rip it up and we'll have to have a head of youth development. We'll have to have a manager come in place and a coaching team, etc. Because I would want Craig Levine to stay, like you said, but if it was a choice between that, if he had to stay and had to have the influence on the first team, I think we'd need a fresh start in the first team. And I think even from the point of view of season ticket sales and just the atmosphere around Hearts fans, I think we need it as well. I think from a business perspective, it would be the decision that would make sense for Ambudge. I think the one thing, just to finish up on this, before we get to more lighthearted um, matters, this 
was always going to happen, whether it was now, whether it was the summer, whether it was next summer or, or whatever. The one thing that's pretty certain if you're a football manager is you're going to get the sack or you're going to move on. <laughs> so Hearts would have been folly to not have a succession plan in place, knowing fine well that one day there's going to come a time where for whatever reason, footballing or non-footballing reasons, that that structure would then either not work or move on to the next one. And if they didn't have a plan in place, it's total folly. And they would have had a plan in place. So we knew that something like this was eventually going to happen. For people saying, oh, yeah, but maybe he, he needs more time. A, that they're in the minority. And B, you've mentioned about the business plan. Football's football, but football's also a business. Hearts, want to, Hearts season ticket sales have been phenomenal in recent years. We don't want to take a step back through stubbornness. Okay, moving on. Let's finish up with something a little more light-hearted. So, it stemmed from last week. Um, we'd been speaking about Davidis Chesnowskis and Chesney Hawks getting played when he scored or um, uh, Magic getting played for Osmond. So, I put the question out there, and the timing's probably bad for this because, you know, to ask for what goal music should we have for players when we couldn't score against Hamilton, you usually get a lot of sarcastic replies, which is fine. Um, so we've had a mix of some of those, some suggestions and some reminders of ones that have been used. Um, Connor Porteous emailed in saying, um, David Vanacek's name works with the song that we played for Kyle Lafferty when he scored last season. Um, I actually thought that myself, but I've not <laughs> been bold enough to mention it given that David Vanacek hasn't scored for us yet. Uh, the song that Connor Porteous is mentioning is Coons versus Cooking on Three Burners, This Girl, um, or as you might recognise it, this tune. Paul Motion says... Before we get to Paul Motion, before we get to yeah. Paul Motion's selection, what language were you just speaking there? What, Coons versus Cooking on Three Burners, this girl? <laughs> what, is, what is that? It's just strange names for bands, I'm 42 I next month. People used to be, they used to have two names, Belinda and Carlisle. <laughs> or they used to have one name, Cher. Now it's X with Y and Z and Y and P <laughs> and Cooks and Kungs and whatever. Come on. Is this what the youngsters these days okay. are listening to? Okay, well, here's one you'll like before I get to Paul Motion. Stuart Ainsley just sent an animated gif of Simon and Garfunkel singing Hello Darkness, My Old Friend <laughs> from, um, from The Sound of Silence, which... <laughs> the Sound of Silence was the away end at Hamilton. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't think that's goal music. Is, is that just maybe to, to play post-match? That's, right. <laughs> that, that's our homework for, for next week. Um, which details shall follow. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Okay. Well, Paul Motion just said perhaps a deafening silence is more appropriate at the moment. <laughs> um, Paul Newton says you could probably pack up Scott's CD collection for the rest of the season, obviously in reference to stadium announcer Scott Wilson. Um Aaron Fraser says, boom, shake the room for Arnold Doom is always a good one, um, which is this. Another one that a friend of mine um, is very fond of, which I don't know if you've heard Hearts fans singing before, is along to the Venga Boys, which is um, Doom, 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 Doom. He comes from Cameroon. We'll win the league together, together in Maroon. You heard that one? Sorry, there was just tumbleweed that went in front of me there. Um, I love lo your tunefulness is sensational. I, I do apologise, I'm not a singer. Um, Ewan Pringle <laughs> says, Born to be Wild was played by Scott for Bjorn Jonsson, which is Good. correct. Um, here's one that you probably haven't heard. Um, Mark, it. Scott and David McCaig both said, uh, Lil Pump and their song Gucci Gang for Uche. <laughs> Lil, Lil Pump that's, that's like when my daughter like when you think oh what have you and yeah yeah, uh, yeah. To... Lil, Lil Pump and Gucci, Gucci gang yeah. what is going on I'm so I'm so out of this do you know what I'm, my daughter likes um, what's it called wow 
And I said to Lainey, are we playing that Postman Pat Malone thing? And she's, <laughs> she's like, Post Malone. Um, so she, we're, she's, trying to, she's trying to make me more trendy, which ain't going to happen. If you, if you listen to my, my five songs with Graham Easton, that I did, they all were to do with hearts. I, I had, I had um, who did I have? I had Fergal Sharkey in there with a good mm-hmm, heart yeah. from 1985, because that was, that was my first single. Um, I also had Diana Ross, Chain Reaction, because that was the song I listened to in the car, going to Hamden for the Hearts Dundee United semi-final in 86. I think this tells you a lot about me and how my musical taste is horrific. So age. Um, my age, yeah, I'm probably <laughs> older than I should be. But do you know what? See, once we finish here, I'm going to go through and I'm going to put on Spotify. I'm going to search for Lil Pump and Gucci Gang. Yep. And I'm going to dance and sing to them. Sounds like this. Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. Spread their rats on new chain. My bitch love do cocaine. Ooh, I fuck a bitch, I forgot name. I can't buy me no wedding ring. Brilliant, love it. Scott Snedden says Sam Cook. It's been a long time coming. I'm guessing that's not in reference to a goal. It could be. It will be now. It will be now. Uh, Paul Miller mentioned that a message to you, Rudy, by the specials always yes. came on when Rudy scored second spell. So that one would have been played a lot. Rudy Will Stevenson suggests Please Don't Go by Casey and the Sunshine no, Band. No. Should be is, played. This for, is this for our manager or for our um, striker who's out injured right now? He says, for every time Stephen Naismith scores this season. Yes, can you imagine? He'd look up to Scott and go, what the <laughs> hell? Please don't go. Don't go. I've got some suggestions. Here we go. Um, okay, let's hear what you got. Here's this one. Should I stay or should I go? Which is Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash for Stephen Naismith. Okay. Um... I've got this one. If you leave it now, you'll take away the biggest part of me. Ooh, now, baby, please don't go. If you leave me now, Chicago. <laughs> There's Smith. a theme here. <laughs> I've got this one. Which is if I let you go, Westlife, Stephen Naismith. I've heard, I've heard of all these three bands so far. Um, this one. Please don't leave me, Pink Naismith. <laughs> um, and I've got this one. Which is Don't Leave Me as well. Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Stephen Naismith. I, I, I think we get the message. Do you think he think might actually be too creeped out and leave if we just keep doing a mix of these songs? <laughs> every, t- every time he scores. No, he'd take over as manager and deliberately run the club into the ground for the choice <laughs> of music when he was in his final, um, final few months of his loan spell. Okay, a couple of others um, from me. Um, how about what, an ex-player. Um, this one. Which is Paint It Black by Rolling Stones ah, for Ian Black. Very good. You, know, you like to paint, you, you kind of have to add, add a comma. Yeah, it, but... yeah. You, don't, you don't need to really explain, but yeah, very good. Well, well you know, just in case. Um, and this one as well from Men at Work. And she said, Do you come from a land down Which is good because you could use it for, say, Ryan McGowan, but you could also use it for Oli Bozanich. You could use it for Ben Guruccio, just just because it's Australian, you know, come from a land yeah. down under. It's pretty on the you nose. Started, you started strong, and then you, like Hearts, you've just done what Hearts have done this season. You started strong there, and then you kind of dissipated. 
<laughs> okay, well, that was that was a bit of fun at least. Um, but we're not gonna we're not gonna drop the musical theme yet, though, are we? Mark? No, because we have homework for you. Now, I'd like to think you hopefully enjoyed the latter part of this podcast more than the former part because I we did. weren't as serious. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Um, so your homework for for next week. We're going to try and promote this because this could be fun. I want you to get your thinking caps on. That was the theme of goal music and, and what you would have as your goal music for certain players. Quite simply, your homework for next week, songs that sum up Hearts season so far. And what would your song, Mark? Take that. <laughs> Patience. Okay, so that's... Because we, we've needed a hell of a lot of it. Okay, which sounds a little like this. Have a little... Patience. Oh, I, I just need time. So, what would your one be? <laughs> I, I was maybe less optimistic. Where did it all go? Where did it all go wrong, Oasis? <laughs> Which sounds like this. My favourite band, and a song which I think sums it up. Well, hopefully by the end of the season we're not thinking that, but right now, that's what it feels like. Hopefully by the end of the season we're not talking about patience or, or where it all went wrong. You, you could easily play Misery by Maroon 5, <laughs> which sounds a little bit like this. Anything by Radiohead, because that's just miserable. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Smiths. That would be maybe more. <laughs> oh, well, look, I, I don't mind the Smiths and Radiohead, but my God, there's not somebody upbeat, is it? Well, the hearts aren't always very upbeat, are they? Um, okay, so your homework, uh, as uh, described by Mark Donaldson, is what songs would you nominate to sum up heart season? And I guess it's at this point, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that at the end of the season, we're as miserable or, or whatnot as these songs might suggest. But um, be creative as well. So think outside the box. Um, the funnier, the better, because sometimes we need a laugh after talking about hearts. Um, so tweet them to at around the funnel, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. And we'll have a big focus on this next week, Mark, because thankfully we won't have to just talk about hearts defeat. <laughs> we're not going to lose we're not going to lose it's going to be an unbeaten weekend so we can talk about how Hearts might not have played but how Scotland slipped up in Astana in Kazakhstan and then the San Marino game which didn't go according to plan um, let's end on a positive if you don't mind we're recording Please. this on Wednesday my morning your afternoon mm-hmm. today is International Happiness Day oh what do you mean oh, oh? Well, no one told me. It's half past three here already. <laughs> Would that have changed if you'd known your day so far? No, because every day is some nonsense day for something. These You, you know, try living in this country. Jesus. Oh, oh, what is it today? Oh, it's happy snails who reverse into squirrels day. Oh, great. <laughs> Love it. It's, it's, honestly, it's just ridiculous. But anyway, it's happy International Happiness Day today. And it promises to be a happy weekend for hearts. Because, again, we won't score, but at least we won't lose this weekend. And you never know, some real optimists out there might give us a song which is very happy to sum up this season. I, I doubt it, but you never know. But get in touch, let us know. <laughs> and, and just remember, um, Hearts have just put a tweet out. Tickets for the Scottish Cup semi-final clash with Inverness, Caledonian Thistle will be available for season ticket holders to purchase from 9 a.m. on Friday, March 22nd. So, hopefully we'll get a decent crowd there. And forget the fact we're not playing well just now, and it's a bit miserable. Get along and support the team. The more, the better. The louder, the better. And hopefully we can secure our place in the Cup Final and give us something to look forward to for the end of the season. Jim, 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 Jim. Comes from Cameroon. The 
when we're linked together, together in my room. 